I've enjoyed that we kind of had a heat wave and now we're kind of lulling on that. But I saw that we're going to be up in the 90s again. And I'm just like, L.A., what is happening? I caved and I bought an AC unit and it's illegally in my apartment. I can't believe it's illegal. I don't know if it's illegal, but I, I feel like it's illegal that they told me that I can't have an AC unit. I think so, too. Because they pay for utilities. So I feel like if they say something, I'm going to be like, I've been using a lot of camera equipment and you guys just don't know how electricity works. Hi everyone, welcome to the show. Hello, welcome. This is We Live in a Film Society. It's a show about movies and the meaning we give them. Yes, it is. Sherilyn. Hannah. What's the topic today? Today we're going to be talking about War of the Worlds, baby. Oh man, out of this world. Definitely. It is a sci-fi. It is a Spielberg film. Spielberg? Our first. Did I... Okay, yes, I did say that right. <laughs> and I also watched the 1953 OG. Oh, damn, I did not. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I will just go ahead and say I don't think you missed anything really groundbreaking. I don't know. I feel like I'm going to get hate for that, but. Yeah, be careful. I actually have stronger opinions about that one. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I'll see if Zig has any thoughts on that as well. Who's Zig? Oh, just Cody Ziegler. (laughs) Cody Ziegler is who we're going to be talking to. He writes on a bunch of shows, including, more recently, Rick and Morty. And he produces a bunch of podcasts, and he's a big old sci-fi nerd. Nice. I think he'll be okay with me saying that. Great. (laughs) I hope so. I hope so. If not, I'm sorry. So we'll be talking to him later, but for now, it's just Hannah and I, so get comfy. (laughs) Because we're talking about the end of the world. Yeah, our first Spielberg film, our first early 2000s film. This one came out in Ought 5. And our first Tom Cruise film. Mm -hmm. Is it also our first child actor film? (laughs) Because hi, Dakota Fanning. Hi, Dakota Fanning, who really just carried the entire film. (laughs) Honestly, she was the brightest light in the entire movie. (laughs) Let's just get right into it. Hannah, what were your initial thoughts the first thing that came to mind when you're watching this movie or after oh boy well I am a Spielberg film fan Uh, (laughs) I'm not a film but I am a film fan (laughs) I remember seeing this when it was released in 2005 and lots of reverb from 9-11 were very very present in this film and I got to say, that stuck out to me again this time, for sure. This idea of why are they attacking us? Where are they coming from? What tactics are they using? And why did we never think about this before as like places of vulnerability to our safety? And uh, wow, also lots of cops. Cops play a big role in this film. Lots of cops. They're all such great guys and they love to help the community and they're always going out there first to save the day 
and touched the big rock. <laughs> they didn't do much though. They did a lot of Andy Fife just kind of, whoa, what's that? You know, like, yeah. we don't know what to do. We kind of joked about this, that the whole film was actually just about a single dad who doesn't really know how to handle anything. <laughs> He's yeah. just faking his way through this yeah. father figure thing that he's trying to be and that's kind of what the cops felt like too they're like everybody stand back <laughs> that's all but they like don't know what's going on they're just using their arms as a shield taking up space <laughs> just taking up space yep and even the one cop played by andy dufresne just kidding played by tim robbins i don't he- understand why that was a joke well andy dufresne is maybe his most famous role Tim Robbins' most famous role. It was Shawshank Redemption. Anyways, Mm. he is also a cop and he's kind of gone off the deep end. But let's talk about Tom Cruise. Honestly, let's talk about dad, Mr. Ray Farrier, who is the dad who doesn't know how to handle anything. Nothing at all. He's single papa and he doesn't have a good relationship with his kids. And he works at a container shipping boat. Port. Port, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Why was that his job? I thought that that was going to come into the film. Like, oh, he's got some sort of special privilege. They're going to get on the boat and they're going to ship themselves. I don't know what I thought was going to happen there, but it's such a weird and specific job. But then it it all kind of goes back to our theory of he's just a regular guy, regular dad that single dads can relate to. I guess, yeah. They made a real big point about how good he was at his job. When we first meet him, he's finishing his shift and his boss is nagging him about, oh, but I need you to do the overtime. And he's like, take it up with the union and, you know, waddling away. Not really, but I just Just like the image of that. (laughs) Yeah, and I was just like, okay, so does his skill of being able to load a bunch of these containers really fast, is that is that going to play in somehow and <laughs> defeating the aliens? It never comes back. I'm like, why did we spend so much time harping about how good he was about this? And then it never comes up again. Yeah. Maybe it's about the futility of life and you can be really good at what you're doing, but when an alien comes and it's bigger and stronger and scarier than you, it doesn't really fucking matter. It doesn't matter. Oh my God. Sometimes I just watch movies and I'm like, this guy is the most basic bitch there could be. (laughs) Yeah. He's not a good dad. He's fine at his job. He's not passionate about anything Mm. except for shipping containers really quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he's the star of the show. He's just got a nice smile. And he's kind of an asshole. He's kind of an asshole, yeah. His love for his kid comes out by the end. I think it was really just the one thing giving him purpose. And purpose is the only thing that keeps us surviving, honestly. So I don't even know if, you know, what is real love anyways? (laughs) I don't know. Let's get into it. So, like, he loves his daughter because you have to love your daughter. Legally. Legally, you have to love your daughter. Yeah, by the end, he seems to love her. But maybe that's just because they went through this really traumatic bonding experience. Because he's forced to be with her. He learns two facts about her. And then he's like, whoa, you're like a human Mm -hmm. that I made. Mm -hmm. I guess I'll protect you. That's what Tom Cruise sounds like. Yeah, that's exactly what he sounds like. You're really good at voices. Thank you. (laughs) 
you're my daughter. <laughs> he did get one really good running shot in. <laughs> he ran like the wind. <laughs> that met his quota. His face is jiggling. No other really big stunts this time, though. This was all pretty on the ground. It was Robbie who was the one who jumped up on the Titanic ferry that was, like, trying to help some other passenger. The Titanic moment. It went over. (laughs) It went under. It went over and under. I did think it was funny, our commentary about how it's like, oh, yeah, let's get on a really slow boat and just kind of wade into the middle of the river. Yeah. And then just have to deal with it. What was their plan? Would you ever, if they're aliens shooting all over the sky, they coming out from under the ground, I guess it would make you feel a little bit safe that you weren't on the ground because if you haven't seen the aliens in the water then maybe you think that you'll be protected but once you're on a boat with hundreds of other people during an apocalypse everyone's desperate there's no food you're on a Mm. boat boats can sink yeah i don't know it's just not my idea of safety i think ultimately if we zoom out because we were talking a lot throughout this film this was a fun one to talk through honestly i think that Story-wise, it was because they were on island and they needed to get to the mainland so that they could have more options, I guess. But it's like nowhere was safe. We knew that nowhere was safe, but maybe when you're on the ground, you're just thinking like, go to the next spot, don't stay in one place. I don't know. Uh, I don't know, but Robbie really wanted to be in the army. That was his thing. That was his character thing. Yep. He was a young lad, and he wants to fight for his country. He wants to protect and serve. And serve. Yep, that's right. Can I say something real quick about protect and serve? Yes, Really on topic. So when (laughs) I was in Florida, maybe like a year ago, I remember driving... driving like I'm in the back seat of my parents car or something and I see a cop drive by and on the side of the cop (laughs) car with quotes around it it says here to protect and serve in comic sans and quotes (laughs) that's so embarrassing I remember that you Uh, took a picture of it were you there Uh, was I oh my god wait was this when I was visiting you it might have been that sounds way too familiar visiting my family yeah oh my god that's way too funny okay anyway so yeah Robbie the son Tom Cruise's son who he sees once every 10 years wants to be in the army and Tom Cruise is like why do you want to do this man and he's just he doesn't really have an answer he's just a young guy who wants to serve in the army and there was a lot of, and there still is a lot of army propaganda out there that's just making it look real cool to be in the army. This movie didn't feel like it romanticized being in the army at all, but yeah. I think that they were certainly playing off of that. He's coming of age. They did survive the attack on the Twin Towers in New York. I guess that that was the card that they were playing. The part that I really couldn't understand logically was when they were in that big field, remember, and Mm -hmm. the army was literally driving through in tanks and Robbie's like, I'm going with them. Like he was fighting for fucking Scotland or something. And I'm like, how are you, who is like two inches high right now, going to do 
anything to the thing with lasers that are literally blowing up people to except the for their pants. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So another thing about these aliens is when they shoot people, when they laser beam shoot people for some reason, their bodies turn into dust and mm-hmm. all that's left is their pants. <laughs> Not even their shirt. Or their bra. Literally the only piece of clothing that survives. So it's just like, poof, pants, poof, pants, poof, pants. (laughs) Maybe the aliens just have a (laughs) pants shortage. That's their currency. So stupid. Just imagine cleanup at the end of the apocalypse. That's how they know how many people died is just how many pants are on the floor. (laughs) Wait, that's so funny. Oh my God. So they poofed some people and then they grabbed other individuals. It's hard to tell how they chose or if it really was just random. It seemed And they just had random. different machines for different things or I don't know. My problem with alien movies is that I really want to know more, as much as I can about the aliens. And I want to yeah. know their motivation because that's the interesting part for me personally. I'm like, yeah. let's get to know these freaks. They're here yeah. for a reason. What's their reason? Wouldn't you want to know everything about an alien if it's here? So that's also why I think Robbie, I think Robbie and I have that in common. I think he wanted to be in the army so that he can protect and serve. But also, I think he had a deep sense of curiosity to know more about the aliens. And I get it. I think I would risk my life to see an alien. Mm. You know, if I'm being perfectly honest, I don't think I would. But... As a moviegoer, I was definitely curious to know more. Yeah. I I don't know. I feel like if this movie were remade today... Which, please, nobody remake it. Yeah, please. I'm not inviting that. I'm just hypothesizing. If it were to be made today as opposed to 2005, I think the tone would be a lot different because we're not coming off of a huge terrorist attack. We're coming out of a really dumpster fire year Mm -hmm. and it would feel different because even the beginning of this movie kind of showed Earth as this different cultures, people living in their respective little homes all around the world until an alien comes and fucks everything up. Mm -hmm. Coming at it, watching it from this year that we are living through that would not be the same story we would be seeing each other like eating each other from the inside out and then the aliens might be what brings us together and makes us remember our humanity i hope so i hope so too there could be a darker message i think if it was a spielberg film there would be enough hope that it would be what reminds us of our humanity and yeah why we deserve to survive together And also, maybe we would know more about the aliens is kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. Different moviegoers back in the day, I guess, you know, different expectations. So I want to talk about the 1953 version a little bit. Sure. First, I'll say everything is the same kind of design of the aliens. They were kind of this like snake, but you could tell in some of the like shots, the sets was just miniature and they had a two foot snake-like thing oh my god what if it was a miniature and they just used worms or something yeah 
Yeah. No, it definitely did not have that fluidity when it moved around. It was kind of stiff. Was it stop motion animation or do you think it was a puppet? Maybe it was a puppet. Yeah, I think it was a puppet. Cool. So similar design. Obviously, there's spoilers, but one of the really intense shots in the 2005 Spielberg version was the shot where he takes the, what's that thing called? The lumberjack tool? The axe yes the axe he takes the axe and fucking chops the thing off he just chops the thing off the tentacle that was an exact shot from the 53 version Mm. all those high intense moments were kind of the same oh interesting there was one woman in the whole movie and the whole time she's like i'm so scared scared and then she wouldn't talk for another hour and then she'd come back an hour later and she'd be holding on to some man yeah and she'd be like oh, i was so scared and they all they all talk like this you know how they talked in the old hollywood films yeah kind of like that actually that mid-atlantic accent yeah yeah honey you've got to pull yourself together yeah these aliens are coming for us and we've got to be ready yes exactly <laughs> yeah they make you study that accent in film school that's why hannah's so good at it <laughs> thanks i am really good at it aren't i yeah oh another funny thing about all movies that were made in that time was there's probably one camera maybe two cameras and Every time someone's talking, it just felt like the camera was on them for so long. It felt so slow. It was just like you're getting long reactions of someone staring and blinking. And it's just so slow. Yeah. Pre-MTV. Yeah. Editing was different back then. There was so much transparency between like the civilians and the scientists and the news people there was no one in between it's like here's the alien it's gonna smash into the ground the scientist is there he gathers his information he turns his head to the left and he speaks to a reporter and that reporter gives that information to the public no military no secrets and also he knew like everything about the alien he's like well it looks like it could be this type of alien and it looks like it's motivated by this and this and this this type of alien how did they know the different types not not type of alien but more about it and <laughs> it was just quick gathering of information yeah and then straight to the public so i thought that was kind of funny because we don't know shit about aliens because they're not telling us I feel like I need to read the novel. I bet the novel talked about the tentacle arms because if that existed in both of these designs, I'm sure that that was an original feature for sure. Tentacles are a big thing in Aliens. I've been noticing them in Lovecraft Country, Mm -hmm. the new HBO show. Are you talking about the most recent episode? Because, yeah. Wait, hold on. Now I'm trying to... Oh my god, yes. Just we're talking about tentacles. The Korea episode. If y'all have seen it... Ooh. I mean... God, that that show is too much. It's too much. I still don't understand the underlying story that's linking all of the episodes, but I'm loving the anthology of each episode. Me too. And I almost gave up on that. I think in the Korea episode, I gave up on trying to make sense of the storyline and the structure. It's like, it's just what's happening here and now to be in the moment. (laughs) Right. It's just an anthology. We're using the same 10 or so characters. We're getting to know these locations now just enjoy this episode don't worry about it when he starts to talk about book of adam or when he's trying to solve the 
puzzle or whatever. It doesn't matter. What matters is what are they talking about in the A story of this episode? No more B story. I can't. I have to let it go. I don't get it. No, it's just focus on who's dying, who's doing it, and who's evil. Okay, so we were talking about the design of the aliens in War of the Worlds. Remember how we thought that they were kind of cute? Yeah. (laughs) With their, like, big eyes and their their little hands. Yeah. Their little mouths and I was like what if they sounded like meep moop meep <laughs> what, if, yeah. what if they made cute little noises would that make it better because <laughs> the alien the sound design is kind of this big horn when they're in the machine yeah yeah exactly you should put an echo on that in post I will if anybody wants to borrow that sound for their alien movie, <laughs> just ask Hannah for her permission. <laughs> so yeah, they sound like these big things. Yeah. They come out of their spaceship tentacle thing and they're just these guys with thick butts <laughs> and like big heads yeah. and big eyes and they crawl around in a weird way and they're curious and they're cute. <laughs> and they would just go, boop. Excuse me, please. Can I suck your blood? I just need a little blood, a little human blood. I'm not trying to hurt nobody. They're from the South. (laughs) They're from Georgia. (laughs) They just got those nice accents that just lure you in. I'm just a little alien. I just need a little blood for my neighbor. I'm just just (laughs) pretending I'm just baking a cake out. Just getting some sugar from a neighbor, except it's your blood. (laughs) You don't mind, do you? You don't mind if I just suck your little blood, do you? <laughs> suck a little blood and give a little blood to my boy here. You got some to spare. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Enough. Uh, Enough. Somebody stop us. So was that a thing in the 53 version? I don't think we ever saw the alien. We just remember the shot in the 2005 version where arm fumbles out and then they lift it and it's dead. They take its limp hand with a uh-huh. stick and they're like, oh, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Dead. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So we had that same moment in the 53 version where only its limp hand kind of fumbles out of the spaceship and then they pick it up and it limps back down. Oh, damn. Yeah. I wonder if the 05 version would be better if we didn't see the alien and it was more of a Spielberg Jaws thing. I would have been even more disappointed, Hannah. You would have. (laughs) Yes. I want to see as much as I can about the alien. Even though they're cute? (laughs) Even though they're cute because, okay, another confusion that I have about this alien. If that's what the alien looked like, those little crawly things with Mm -hmm. cute butts and cute eyes... (laughs) (laughs) Then when we were inside of the spacecraft and it sucked Tom Cruise up the anus looking thing. And then what was that? That was just more mechanism, I think. Why did it look organic? Because it's alien. (sighs) You seem to have all the answers, Anna. (laughs) So the inside of the spaceship has a butthole that eats humans? Yeah, multiple buttholes for the various cages that it carries on its body and then it slurps them in into some rectal looking tube tube, and uh apparently it can go the other way if the people in the pods pull hard enough (laughs) can you imagine if never mind (laughs) never mind yeah no (laughs) 
Okay. If you were inside of the alien and it was about to suck you into that rectal tube and I was on the other end pulling on your leg. You pulling my leg. (laughs) And I was on the other end pulling your leg and I was like, everybody grab me and we're going to pull Hannah out of this thing. And your head, your upper half was sucked inside of the tube. Yeah. Would you be a little bit excited that you got to see the thing? If you felt safe, you trusted me that I was going to pull you out. Would you be a little excited to see like, oh, what's going on in here? I think I would be excited to be able to share that information on the porch with some lemonade. If we're talking about that crazy moment in 2020 when I almost got sucked up the butt of an alien ship. And then I could be like, and this is what it looked like, boys and girls. That would give me a little bit of a thrill. But in the moment, I would probably shit myself. You would need so much therapy to be able to talk about it over lemonade. (laughs) You're right. This is assuming a lot of inner peace. And uh, who knows? You'd have to invent therapy. There's probably going to have to be a new form of therapy even now in 2020 to just help (laughs) all of the millennials get over COVID stuff. Yeah. After the Spanish flu, what? I just want to know what kind of trauma people had. Right? Was there a general malaise? Yeah, I mean, the world is ending. (laughs) Slowly, Slowly, but surely. (laughs) We're watching it happen in many different ways. Democracy's dying. The forests are burning. There's a virus. Um, Let's change the subject. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus. Back to aliens, okay? Back to fake ending of the worlds that happen a lot more quickly. A theory that I have about why we're so obsessed with these sci-fi end-of-the-world apocalyptic movies is because it kind of takes this blame that we can put on society, we can put on our Mm -hmm. government, on other countries, on other people, and instead it's like, oh, It's just the aliens' fault. There's nothing we did wrong as a society. We were just living here on Earth and these aliens came and fucked it all up. But we are innocent. Yeah. We were just minding our own business. And I it's interesting you bring that up. It sparked an idea in me. It's not only it's not our fault, but it's like also we can all agree that we see this thing happening right here, right now, yeah. and it's happening in real time, so we don't have time to argue about it. No, it's just happening and we have to deal with it. It's affecting us all here. It's a more cathartic way of dealing with it, especially when we live in a world of doublespeak and untruths and so much misinformation that aliens feels more comfortable for me right now because no one can disagree about it right yeah it's not possible at a certain point to ignore it it's like look up at the sky do you see an alien yes where do we go from here yeah and it's happening all around the world in this movie so it's not like oh i won't believe it until i see it because everyone's fucking seeing it yeah no deniers no deniers allowed Right. I'd, I don't know. That would be a different story today. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Should we take a break? Maybe. Oh, God. I just lost my voice. Oh, God. Hannah's actually been attacked by an alien. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, let's take a break. And then when we'll be back, we'll be here with Cody Ziegler and get his hot take on these aliens. Yeah, we'll get Zig to pull us out of this rectum we're in. Yep. All right, we'll be back. All 
right, everyone, we are back from our break and we have Zig with us, Cody Ziegler. He is our (laughs) sci-fi podcast, radio, film, comedian expert. Welcome, Zig. So nice to have you. Ah, thanks for having me. Great energy to have coming on to the show. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Thank you for welcome. We keep them hyped. (laughs) Today, we're going to be talking about the end of the world, just keeping that energy up. (laughs) But... We are talking mm-hmm. about War of the Worlds. My first question for you, just so that we get right into it. Zig, what is your relationship to sci-fi in general? Oh, boy. Well, uh, I am a huge sci-fi stan. To not make it five hours long, I think uh, it came from my dad was a huge sci-fi guy, too. He was really into, like, Star Wars and Star Trek and Alien and Predator, like, all that stuff. So as a kid, I just sort of imprinted on that as well, because since he was always watching those movies, we would also do this thing where I think maybe TBS or TNT would have this weekend monster show called Monster Vision, and they'd show like 50s and 60s sci-fi and and horror movies. That was the first time that I actually even saw War of the Worlds, was watching that as a seven-year-old. That was pretty much how I got into all that stuff, was just watching tons and tons and tons of it as a kid. And when I would hang out with my dad or go with him on business trips and stuff. And that was the 53 version of the film. Yeah, that was the original one. And as a kid, it was still pretty scary because for me, anyway, I thought movies were just real things that happened and somehow people captured what happened. So like, yeah, I was definitely terrified watching it. Yeah, I remember as a kid watching black and white films and being like, so there just wasn't color back in the 50s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they didn't invent it, invent it yet. <laughs> yeah. Our eyes didn't evolve to see color yet. <laughs> so you have experience in a bunch of different mediums. I try. Yeah, I was curious to hear your take on how storytelling differs in those different mediums. Because you're kind of a radio guy, but you're also a TV guy. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I actually re-listened to the original broadcast of War of the Worlds maybe a year and a half ago just because someone had brought it up in a conversation. I was like, man, you know what? I haven't actually listened to that in whole and wonder what it sounds like. And honestly, like... If you were some random person tuning into the radio, I could see how you would think that it was a real thing happening because they had sound design, even though they had like all these nice, talented background actors. And those principles still hold up today, especially if you do podcasts that have a lot of heavy sound design and soundscapes and stuff. Those are still things that influence the things that I make whenever I do podcasts with heavy production design and stuff. Yeah, the storytelling is quintessential for audio. You know, it's a theater of the mind. Like that's what everyone says. They really do paint a lot of pictures particularly at the end of war of the worlds where he's talking about the smoke clouds making their way down through the city streets he's counting down one by one and if i was just some random dude listening to this 1940 or whatever i would definitely be running out and shooting shotguns at water towers <laughs> thinking the aliens were invading you know because that's actually what happened right <laughs> yeah that's what i heard yeah i've heard that too this is something that you learn in like film school right hannah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it was sort of like the progression of storytelling Mm -hmm. and we absolutely made a pit stop at oh yeah and then a bunch of idiots from back in the day because they didn't know any better (laughs) actually believed it was happening yeah isn't storytelling powerful and we're like yeah (laughs) (laughs) did you go to film school i did i went to the savannah college of art and design and i got my MFA, film and television production, and focusing on like writing and directing. Okay, cool. And even my undergrad, I took a bunch of film studies courses because I was just a huge film nerd. And like, I loved diving in as deep as I could, just like learning more about that whole world in general. It's a fun one. Did you guys listen to the radio broadcast? No, never listened to it. 
I think I'd, you know, if you got chores to do or you like, you know, like spend like 40 minutes cleaning up, I'd recommend it. It's not something I'd sit down and like listen to intently because it, it does seem so old, but I think you could appreciate it from a storytelling standpoint. Yeah. Seeing what they were doing. Where can we find it? YouTube or something? Yeah, I think just Google it because I think it's in the public domain because it's mm. so old, but Orson Welles is killing it. Yeah. Wasn't that his breakthrough thing or was that yeah. after stuff? I think he was a well-known radio dude. I think that's what sort of set him ahead of everything else. Yeah, cool. We need to do an Orson Welles day for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I watched the 53 version yesterday for the first time. And oh, nice. I wish that I would have seen it as a kid because yeah. I was just kind of pissed. <laughs> I shouldn't be shocked that there was only one woman in it and she was just scared the whole time. She had like two lines. Yeah. Or that everybody was white. And then I think there's a Mexican guy in brown face. Yeah. So a white guy in brown face. And he had this crazy accent. And the whole time I'm like not understanding what this guy's character is. And I'm like, oh, I think they are trying to make him Latino. I think that's what's happening. But anyway, it was cool comparing the two because they really took a lot of the scenes verbatim and kept them the same. Did anything in either of the films stand out to you? Because Hannah and I had a very long discussion about the actual aliens themselves. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because I think the remake doesn't really do much better when it comes to like representation. Yeah. Yesterday I rewatched it. And first of all, I will say I remember really not liking it when I first saw it. When it came out 2000 or 2001, whenever it came out. Yeah, 2005. Yeah, rewatching it now, I'm like, oh, this movie is, uh, I enjoy it. Maybe it's because we're also living in a pandemic right now. And <laughs> there's this huge theme of fear and like running away and doing all this stuff. So like, I appreciate it more now than I did then. But I will say like, it is weird that Tom Cruise is like, this New Jersey everyman. He's kind of a... Oh, we went in. <laughs> yeah, he, he's like a bad dad. Like, he yeah. treats his kids like shit. And you're like, I'm supposed to be rooting for this guy. Like, he's kind of an asshole. Exactly. Oh my God. Exactly. Yeah. Same words. Yeah. And he doesn't really get that much better till maybe the last scene of the movie when he hugs his son, Robbie. You're like, <laughs> he hugs his son. Whoa. Yeah. Dad of the year. Even Robbie's sort of trajectory as a character was kind of strange because I was with the idea of him wanting to get back and have revenge of the aliens. That made total sense if you're like a 16 year old kid you're watching these things kill people left and right like i could see how you would be drawn towards wanting to seek revenge that's a very human thing but when they're like at that precipice of the army fighting the tripods and you can't see it i remember really really wanted to just see a fight just show me that i hated that tease of oh they're just down below the hill you can't see anything but like robbie deciding then and there that that's when he needs to go and join the army with no training No with no training no weapons no yeah, access no to anything his plea to his dad is like just let me do this i was like what did i miss why this seems like the craziest thing in the world to do like those are the just things that bumped me story-wise yeah uh, i definitely i enjoyed it i wish that new jersey looked like new jersey like, i'm not from there but i've driven through there plenty of times to stop by there plenty of times almost every single person they meet on this journey is a white person which is kind of wild mm. to me that's what i noticed too when they're like running through the crowds i was like literally no person of color yeah it's it's very strange i think also if they had this big theme about how humanity needs to come together and like humanity doesn't even save itself right it's those microbes that's what saves humanity you feel like the through line would be that everything is connected and everyone should be together in some sort of fashion it felt like they got 
close for half a second when they pulled Tom Cruise out of that rectum tube. Uh, Cheryl and I were talking about that earlier. But it's like there was a moment of humans coming together to save each other, even though they don't know each other. But that was the first and last time we saw any of that. And then the theme was just like, no, humans had evolutionarily earned their way. So it's just a God-given right that they should exist here. And it has nothing to do with their own will to want to survive. Yeah, that was another weird thing, too. I think that's the thing that also felt the most anachronistic. That's one that felt like it was from the early 30s, whatever. We were saved by God and his Mm. infinite mind and his smallest creation was the microbe. And that's what saved the world. Zig, your voice is so good for radio. (laughs) 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 Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's just my own biases. I'm not really religious or anything. So it was hard just getting through that being like, so the message is that luckily God created these tiny superior. Yeah. yeah. That's what saved us from these aliens. And it's so crazy hearing you talk about that. We were also talking about the timing of this movie and how it was post 9-11. Yeah, really yeah. fresh off of 9-11. And the whole rhetoric and propaganda used around this war against terrorism was God save America and all of this higher being intervention we deserve to exist as a country kind of language Mm -hmm. and it kind of feels like a similar theme to what this movie was saying yeah i did notice a lot of dialogue in this was like is it the terrorists are the terrorists Mm -hmm. back wow this was really was a product of its time Mm -hmm. and then I guess in the 53 version, something that I noticed that was shocking was they were shooting back and forth to the aliens. Mm. Those scenes lasted 10 minutes long, and it was just (laughs) shooting back and forth and loud bomb noises. Yeah. I was shocked. I had to, like, stop for a second. I had to literally turn the speaker over, turn it down, because I was tired of hearing shooting back and forth. Yeah. It was so intense. So intense. <laughs> yeah, I will say they breeze through any conflict on this. I mean, I know he was telling a different story with this one than in the 53 version, and you have to make them be very specific different things. But part of me was like, I do want to see like a dumb action sequence for 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Show the tripod getting shot and the tripod taking down the helicopter or whatever. Like, just feed that dumb American part of my brain. Oh, my That's God. That's all that I need. And then get back to the earth. We got close once Mm -hmm. when they took Rachel, little Rachel, the light and heart of this movie with one of their long tentacle arms and Tom Cruise is like my reason for living and he throws the grenade and it hits the shield and explodes and it kind of looked to me like it farted (laughs) because it just kind of like looks around and is like oh was that me? (laughs) No one's around right? It was just a little toot it was just a little toot Zig, did you catch that when they zap the humans and they kind of turn to dust, what's left of the human is floating pants? <laughs> yes, I noticed that too because I was trying to remember everything that I saw while I was watching. It. I was like, yeah, right. I remember them turning the dust. And I was like, wow, how does this weapon work? I was like, maybe it, it's superheated, so maybe like the water inside of us evaporates and we explode. Oh. But then it hits a car and the car windshield breaks. So there's a concussive force to it and then it's blowing up buildings that are blown up in weird ways not denim yeah like how (laughs) does this weapon work doesn't destroy denim it doesn't destroy flannel shirts or khakis (laughs) yeah it'll shoot down an airplane but it won't burn through your khakis through your capris (laughs) if it happened in the 90s when denim was really hot and everyone was just they should have just 
painted the town in denim and saved everyone. <laughs> yeah, the aliens couldn't have gotten through it. Yeah, right. Okay, so I want your sci-fi expertise take mm -hmm. on another element of the sci-fi part of this movie that I didn't fully understand. Mm -hmm. Did we, as in you, did we understand why they were taking some humans, zapping others, and then using the blood of yet others to... I think they use the word fertilize at one point, yeah. but like, what was that? Do they explain it or was it just supposed to be the scariest thing Spielberg could think of? I think it's a combination of both of those things that you, or I guess you said three things. Everything you said is what is a combination of. <laughs> I think that one, it started out as like an extermination. So I was like, all right, I can see how, just looking at through like how humans have normally done these things when they invade countries, they invade it. They kill the local populace and then they use whatever's remained as workforce or whatever. So like, all right, all right mm -hmm. they came down. They originally just like, all right, we're going to bring down human numbers, vaporizing everybody. And then I'm assuming they were using the blood spray as terraform, I guess, to make it more like their planet. So I was like, all right, that oh, makes sense. I uh -huh. didn't necessarily know what they were doing when they would suck them up into them because they made a point of showing them, spinning them out and then like sticking a comically large needle into a them. A straw. A giant alien straw. Yeah. He's in that big space straw. So, like, I didn't know. Maybe it powered the ship. I had no idea why they were sucking them up. I was waiting for them to show, like, maybe that's an alternate way that they, like, spray stuff out or something like that. Mm. But, yeah, that kind of bumped me a little bit. But the thing that bumped me the most, that really originally bumped me when I watched it as a kid or as, a, like, a teenager or whatever, was that their whole plan never really made sense when you think about it. So they buried these giant robots hundreds of thousands of years ago in New Jersey. Uh, and all over across the world. Yeah. And then they waited, because I think they made a point saying that they buried them deep underground before humans even existed. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of years, these things have been here, and now they decided to beam down through lightning into the ships or whatever. I'm like, why not just take over the planet then when you had no resistance? Also, if you've mm -hmm. been here before, did the, the little alien scouts come back sick? Did they die when they were burying... There's those weird logic things that I hate getting nitpicked on. But... That bothers me a lot, too, and I kind of tried to rationalize it mm -hmm. by saying okay well maybe when they buried it in earth in alien years that could have been five minutes true yeah who knows how they perceive time that was yeah. how i was trying to rationalize it because mm -hmm. i also wanted to know so much more about their motivation i wanted to mm -hmm. know who they were i wanted to get yeah. to know the aliens the idea of wanting to know the motivation of the aliens is also a thing that I think is a little bit more modern. Where like, yeah, I do too. Just having this race is bad. You're like, all these aliens want to destroy us. They're like little <laughs> alien kids that wake up, man, I can't wait to suck on some human juice. There's <laughs> a spectrum in the alien yeah. world that we're not recognizing. Yeah, it's, it's I always called it like Star Trek rules. We're like, this planet is full of the warrior race and this planet is full of the scholarly yeah. race. You're like, really? There's no like contingent of lazy people that don't want to learn things and yeah. fight in the wars or something yeah. like that? Yeah, you're telling me there's not one jock on the nerd planet? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's not one pacifist that's like, you know what? I'm going to take my giant tripod and just make it play music. That's what I'm going to yeah. do. Yeah, <laughs> I want to see that alien. Did you think that the aliens were kind of cute when they were crawling around the house? <laughs> <laughs> I will say I did like the design. It was truly very alien when they have three legs with three little pronged fingers. I did get big dog vibes when that one was just gulping down water. 
in the basement. Oh my god, I got oh, giant yeah. hamster vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, this is like a very funny. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't intentional, but like, this is a very funny and cute scene. They made the eyes too big, in my opinion. That's what made <laughs> it look too cute. If the yeah. eyes were like smaller and a little more predatory instead of like Bambi, then yeah. like maybe it would have been a little more frightening. Yeah, they had big Pixar energy with their alien <laughs> yeah. eyes. We gave them little meep voices when we yeah. were talking. About them. <laughs> they definitely talk like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only scene that I remember when I watched it when I was younger mm-hmm. was the scene with Dakota Fanning, the axe scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right before the axe scene when it's creeping around. Mm-hmm. Something about those scenes in Jurassic Park, in mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, when there's a barrier the alien, the bad guys on one side, the humans on the other side, and we got to yeah. tiptoe around each other. I'll never forget a scene like that in anything. Those scenes work for me, I think, so well just because it is so claustrophobic and like you are right next to the space monster or the velociraptor. You really do feel tense. Also, I think having a kid in it makes it seem more stressful as well. Mm-hmm. I will say Dakota Fanning was fantastic in this movie. Like She fantastic. was such, such a good actress. Like In the first scene when like they're fleeing New Jersey in the van and she's just having a little kid freak out. I was like, mm-hmm. I have so many memories of my little cousin having that exact same <laughs> yeah. freak out about getting... But never you, Zig. You were a perfect little angel, weren't you? Oh, yeah. I was a perfect little <laughs> angel baby. Yeah. It takes more than a giant robot to get me spooked. But my little cousin would get like a bee sting and they would just be having an absolute meltdown <laughs> in the back of a car. <laughs> yeah. I agree. She she was the strongest point of this movie for me on this viewing. I think I've only ever seen it one other time, and that was when it came out. Yeah, same. Yeah, I remember from the first time I saw it that I really enjoyed that mirror gag when they mm-hmm. were playing that cat and mouse game in the basement. Mm-hmm. I really thought that that was quite clever. And when it ended, I remember turning to my dad and being like, in however old I was mm-hmm. language, like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, wait, why did it just end? The movie's over now? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, I haven't seen the 53 version in probably like 10 or 15 years, but like that type of ending makes sense in like a 50s movies because they always have that ending where like, we just beat the bad guys, the day is saved, cut to credit. Yeah. Like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Now, more modern movies, you're like, I feel like we need a little bit of a dismount. Not You can't go directly from like, <laughs> The family is safe. The aliens are dead. Credits. Fade to black. Right. Everything's over. I guess they go back to normal now. Yeah. I think you need one more scene just to really transition to that ending. Yeah. That was always very jarring to me. I remember uh, when I I first saw the movie. I'm so glad we have much higher standards right now. (laughs) Also, did you guys know there's a TV show, a War of the Worlds show? No. That makes sense because it's public domain, right? Oh, actually, yeah. I think I did see something for that recently, and I was like, why? Yeah, they keep remaking this. I was very disappointed with the 53 version because I was like, oh, this is going to be this really innovative thing. And I guess at the time it was, but I was just like, shut up. They're talking so (laughs) much. All those movies are just a strong-chinned army dude shooting a revolver at the monster that's not being killed and then a lady that faints. That's what I feel like when I watch any of those movies from the 50s. Yeah. If we were... Go go ahead. ahead. No, no, no. no. I was going to change the subject. I also was going to change the subject. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say, if we were to remake this movie now, 
Mm-hmm. How do you think you would do it? Because I would show a little more motivation to the aliens just because I have such a deep curiosity about space mm-hmm. and what's out there. Yeah. I want to know everything that I can about space and these aliens. Yeah, I'm definitely the same mind. I think the intro to this was fantastic. It was Peaks Spielberg with there's a thunderstorm and everyone's rushing towards it. You don't really know what's going on. And like it perfectly blocked us in the middle of the town. Mm-hmm. And it's this weird church. All that stuff was great. The reveal. All that stuff was terrifying to me. Like, I really appreciate it. But yeah, like, I would like to just see what the aliens were about. And this had to be like, you know, you sitting with them as they plan their alien attack and doing meeps and morphs or stuff, but just a little bit more maybe theorizing. You know, maybe they come across, I don't know, some army person who has a theory. It doesn't have to be like the right theory, but, you know, a lot of this movie, the explanation is, you know, a news reporter being like, they came from the ground, which means it was here for years. You know, maybe one or two more characters like that, you know, loosely explaining or theorizing what is going on. That news reporter was so good. She just came in with all this information and left. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, just in case you guys don't know what's going on, let me get some exposition and now I'm gone. Bye. It literally was a news flash. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great character. I would like some like more, more motivation for the aliens. And also, I think I wouldn't mind being a little bit more present in the actual fight against the aliens. I don't necessarily need to have huge set pieces, but I think you do want to see a little bit of the earth getting its butt kicked a little bit more you don't necessarily have to be from the perspective of the military 24 7 but i definitely would want to see the global struggle a little bit more as opposed to just hearing about it through like people being like they took two down in osaka or well you know whatever the rumors that were sort of swirling around in the 53 version there was a shot of the eiffel tower kind of cracked at the top (laughs) at the very end They dented on their way into yeah. Earth. Yeah. yeah, they bumped into it when they were running around the city. So we just needed more shots like that. Yeah. What about you? Hannah? Well, I think I would have focused a little bit more on the story arc of the dad if he was really our lead mm-hmm. character. I felt like it was a little half-assed. It was like he started a off as... It was incredibly boring. Like he had yeah. no personality. He was a right. container shipper. For no reason. His whole yeah. job had no purpose. Right. It never came in handy in defeating the aliens. Yeah. I, <laughs> at least make him a dog walker or something, you know? Yeah. Like, that's more interesting. You're right. We didn't know anything about his person. And he did come off like an asshole and mm-hmm. a total deadbeat dad. Which is why it's relatable to most of America. Because this movie <laughs> was just like, here, this is for all you white single dads out there. And they're like, yeah. hell Yeah. <laughs> I just, I would have liked to have seen him change. Like, I think it's fine if he starts out as this really lackluster person, Mm -hmm. but I want to see some sort of come to Jesus moment where he's like, wow, I almost lost my kids and I realize how much I care about them, but it really felt completely survival, instinctual. And I'm surprised a little bit because... Spielberg is usually really good with that mm-hmm. parental yeah. child relationship and developing that and making it feel really tangible mm-hmm. and relatable. And this one felt totally disconnected from that. Our big joke when we were watching it was 
it's just a big parable for that deadbeat dad who, when their kid accidentally loses control of the ball and gets their teeth knocked out, doesn't know what to do and it feels like the world is ending. Yeah. It felt really shallow to me. So it's like, if we're not going to get that deep, then yeah, let's see what's happening in other parts of the world. If it's truly just human survival story, then let's see all of humanity. If we're going to focus in and make it a character driven story about the end of the world let's get deeper with the characters mm-hmm. Zig, have you seen 10 cloverfield lane i have yeah that's the one where they're in the bunker right yeah that was great would have been great to see some character stuff like that yeah i think that's a pretty good compliment to this movie where like yeah you spend 90 percent of the movie doing character development in a claustrophobic space and then at the very end you get that payoff of 10 minutes of alien monster action you're like oh wow this really worked because I know who this person is. I care about them. And like, I attach them so I feel afraid when they're afraid. Whereas Mm -hmm. opposed to this, I personally didn't like Tom Cruise in any of this movie, uh, throughout any of this this story. Not even when he smiled. (laughs) (laughs) He got me, he almost got me there. I will admit that. (laughs) I didn't like Robbie. I thought he was kind of whiny and a bad big brother, but I liked Rachel. She was the most relatable character in the whole movie. Yeah. When his moment where he, I think, starts to become a good parent is he has to choose between his son and his daughter, which right. is a weird thing to set up for a character and make you sort of root for them. Right. He just lets his, his son go because the son tells him this is what he wants. The kid is like 15, so like he's obviously he hasn't developed his, <laughs> yeah. his control. So if Tom Cruise was like a black parent, he would have dragged his ass back to, to, <laughs> to Rachel. And they would have ran into that basement. Like there would have been no debate about if he's going to save Robbie or he's going to let Rachel get taken by these random people. That was a yeah. weird decision that would never happen to anyone that I would. But also that dad that you're describing sounds like he actually cares about his son and actually sees them staying together as a yeah, family yeah. unit. You know what I mean? <laughs> True. Yeah. Tom Cruise was just hanging on by his fingernails. <laughs> he was just like, let's just get you to mom's yeah. so that I can relax. Yeah. Another funny part about that scene when he was trying to grab his son or daughter was there's like a couple who's trying to take Rachel and they're like, come with us, come with us. And when Tom Cruise came back to Rachel, the mom spent so much time, enough time to make me anxious for their lives, explaining. Yeah. She's like, well, she was alone. We were going to try to save her, and you were yeah. over there. And I'm like, lady, the alien's right behind you. You guys have to run yeah. now. Right, we found dad. We can just leave now. Yeah. We don't have to linger anymore. Just go. Stop trying to explain yourself. Yeah. yeah. Right? Too long of an explanation. <laughs> totally. Minor problem, but yeah. Yeah. You know, still bugged me. Can we talk about Tim Robbins just really briefly? Because we haven't really touched on him in a meaningful way. How did that scene play out for you, Zig? I'm always comparing it to like the first time I watched the movie because I'm just yeah. back and forth. But I remember his character. I remember his whole thing was that he was shell-shocked. And I remember Tom Cruise had to kill him. But rewatching it, his character is almost cartoonish in a way where he's yeah. like, I was a firefighter in New York City. And like I lost everybody. And now I got this weird tick. Always got a shotgun in a wheelbarrow. I'm like, what is the character? I'm like, I understand that he won't revenge, sort of like Robbie does. I kind of feel like he's supposed to be like this sort of like darkened reflection of maybe what Tom Cruise could have been if he had lost everything. Oh. But the way that he's played, I don't know if it's because he has that weird Northeastern accent and the fact yeah. that he's always wearing a white undershirt with a jacket, but he's not wearing the, physically the jacket. He's just wearing it, the hoodie around his the head hoodie. is how he wears yeah. it. And he has yeah. a shotgun that he never uses, but he always carries it. There's a couple of scenes where he's just pushing a cobweb-filled 
wheelbarrow and i'm just like where is he going what is he doing that like, he's such a big character and in an otherwise sort of grounded movie that he did stick out so in much. an otherwise characterless movie yeah yeah and like <laughs> i just thought he was so cartoonish this rewatch yeah seems like he fell out of like a tex avery cartoon like where did he come from he should be chasing bugs bunny you know? <laughs> yeah i agree i think the first time i watched it there was a sense of relief for me for a minute because mm-hmm. i was like oh thank god someone who's figured out how to survive because as a kid i was just like oh god not the mm-hmm. aliens i don't want to die yeah. i don't want to see my characters die but this time i i did feel like it was a long pit stop yeah. that we spent with him and yeah. i wasn't really sure about the payoff there was one moment where they were creating tension because he was talking to rachel Mm-hmm. without dad present and then dad's like rachel come over here you don't talk to her if you have something to say you talk to me oh he was like i'll take care of you if your dad does i was like ew, go hmm. away maybe he was being sincere we don't go back to it yeah <laughs> we don't ever come back to that thought it's just building this tension of who can we trust mm-hmm. and felt like a long pause. And I'm not sure I got what I was supposed to get out of those scenes with this character. Yeah. It was an, an interesting way to end the second act where like up until then it had basically been like a road movie where these people are traveling to destination, right. blah, blah, blah. And then you take 20, 25 minutes to like sit and almost do like a character study. Like it almost like they took a pause to be like, all right, let's delve into a character we're going to have this weird hermit type guy. That'll be really interesting. And I think it could have been, but up until that point, the momentum had been forward, forward, forward. We got to get to Boston. We don't have time. We got to go through this. We get on the ferry and the ferry capsized, but we're going to get this car and the car gets stolen. I feel like it just didn't work because like you're saying, you had this constant momentum and like you just stop, but there's not really a big payoff. It has a cool set piece, that whole piece of like the camera coming down and then like the aliens coming down, like all that stuff works. But getting there seems sort of like a rocky thing when you have a character that isn't likable either. And you yeah. don't really get any new information out of it other than like Tom Cruise, I guess, is willing to kill someone to protect his family, which I guess we already established because he took a gun with him. But it's also protecting himself at that point. Yeah. If one of them goes down, they're all going down kind of thing. Yeah. It was kind of whatever. I am glad you brought up the car getting stolen moment though because that was actually a moment that i thought still kind of worked for me the only thing that turned for me in that scene was that was also in the 53 version by the way oh was it it? oh wow okay a version of that yeah yeah i thought that that was handled really well in the film in terms of making me anxious and and feeling the desperation of the people and the yeah. individuals in the car and the scary moment when it looked like Rachel was going to get taken away by the mob because mm-hmm. she couldn't get out as fast as they were coming into the car. Yeah. The only thing I think that would be different if it were made today is the handling of the gun stuff. Everyone yeah. was just way too reserved i think and the fact that there were only two guns in the crowd can you imagine yeah yeah. i mean it would have been a lot different if that were made today i think yeah i think a lot of people would have ars yeah i think there would have been fires everywhere it would have been a lot more chaotic and a lot more violent yeah for the scene that it was in this movie i thought that that did a really good job of creating tension Mm -hmm. and anxiety yeah 100 100 agree I have a theory that I want to discuss, and I would like to hear your theory, Zig. Okay. Basically, 
I found this poll that was taken, Reuters poll, that found that nearly one in four Americans and one in seven worldwide believe that the world will end during their lifetime. And I had a theory, which I discussed earlier with Hannah, that we're kind of obsessed with these end-of-the-world movies with aliens or zombies or a virus or whatever because it takes away the accountability from Mm -hmm. humans. We have someone to point our fingers to, and it's not our fault. We're just humans. We just are doing our human thing, and this external thing is happening to us. So we have nothing to do with it, and we're innocent. What do you think? Why do you think that we're obsessed with these kind of sci-fi end-of-the-world movies? I also agree with your theory. I think just like an innate human thing, because even thinking back to like religious texts, there's always the end of the world. There's the apocalypse or there's the rapture. Even going back thousands of years, first written word of human is always the story that ends everything so a new chapter can begin. My personal thought process on it is that humans will end. The world will be fine. It's been here billions of years. It'll be billions of years here after humans have gone extinct. A thing that people bristle back upon is when the enemy or like the alien is just another greedy human, I think that there's something in their brain to be like, that's not true. That couldn't be possible. Really just taking like a 30,000 foot view and stepping back, just maybe 36 super rich people have caused all the suffering and pain on this planet. They've caused pollution. They've destabilized countries so they can get resources. They've overthrown elections. They've created products that poison the body and the environment just to make more money. Like people that would sell you cigarettes and they would then sponsor ads that would be like, oh, cigarettes are actually good for you. You need to take two menthols a day to, to get rid of the toxins in your body. For some reason, people bristle more about that as opposed to, oh, there's a giant radioactive lizard that's off the coast of Japan and like he's blowing up things with his fire breath. It's hard to look into the abyss and see your reflection without mm. blinking as opposed to this to look into the abyss and see Dracula. You mean, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get that 100% as opposed to being self-reflective and understanding that maybe the ills of the world are a lot more human and closer than you think if you want to like step out of the cave and stop seeing the shadows and see the actual sunlight. Oof. Good take. Yeah. I agree with what you're saying. Because then not only do you have to look at another human and be like, yeah, this is the reason for suffering, but you have to see where you take part of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How you benefit from that, how you are perpetuating it as well. And uh, it's just easier to just be like, well, aliens actually mm-hmm. if you were to like look behind the big curtain and you see jeff bezos you're like oh it's a five six old bald dude who's kind of buff that's the big bad it's who's not kind of buff sick burn <laughs> yeah yeah just like an old rich white dude that's the big bad it's not a terminator it's not a predator it's not an alien it's just a dude i don't know that to me you're like oh you were expecting more but really the answer is so much simpler than i think a lot of people are willing to choke down hmm so if anyone makes a new War of the Worlds, just make the captain of the tripod Jeff Bezos, and it'll make sense. Yeah, make him a capitalist. Exactly. Wow. Wow. Hannah, do you have any more questions? How do you feel about where this has gone? <laughs> I feel like I was shot into outer space, y'all. <laughs> I'm like in another planet right now. Um, no, I think that that was a really interesting conversation about human frailty and how we are going to be our own demise 
so yeah, I don't know if there's anything I can add to that. <laughs> I well, thanks for having me. I'm glad I could have this really bad conversation. <laughs> you just you're gonna yeah. leave us like this, Zig. I can't yeah. believe it. <laughs> Everybody, think about that. Think about what Zig has said, and then don't go to Amazon. Yeah. How about this? Let's not wait for the aliens to come and destroy us. Let's save us now. How about that? That's that's a little more invigorating and hopeful. Yeah. There we go. And then we go and take over their planet. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, we've already done too much damage to ours. Okay. Well, Zig, this has been <laughs> such a pleasure. Such a good time. It was Thanks a good time. Me. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Do you want people to find you on the internet? Yeah, sure. You know what? Yay for Zig on all the social medias. You can find me if you wish to do so. But yeah, thanks for having me. This was a super fun conversation. I don't know why, but I am glad that I rewatched War of the Worlds. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't have if it wasn't for this podcast. And I have found some new joys in it. So thanks for, for having me and thanks for picking this movie. Yay. Tight. <laughs> movie crew <laughs> well uh we'll see you later it was nice yeah, seeing you again stay safe out there bye bye recording and recording oh shit hannah no cussing all right now we've got health checks oh boy okay here we go for real now for real all right are we back we're back and we're back. <laughs> nice one. Thank you. Okay, so we're back. We just had a great conversation with Cody Ziegler. Yeah, very enjoyable. Even though it ended on a very, is dour the right word? You know, I couldn't tell you because I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> it left on a very existential note. But I can tell you the root of the word dour. Oh, can you? It's D-O-W. I think so. It sounds like Latin down. Same first three letters. Maybe I used it correctly. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Dower. A widow's share for life of her husband's estate. <laughs> so I did use it correctly. Wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> Okay, there's also Dower, D-O-U-R. This is probably the one that you were saying. <laughs> Relentlessly severe, stern, or gloomy in manner or appearance. Definitely gloomy. Yeah, all right. D-O-U-R. Dower, yeah. D-O-U-R is definitely okay. what I meant. You know, I like both of them. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, whatever. Yeah, we ended on a pretty dour note. But hey... That's life, so suck it up, everybody, and be <laughs> sad with us. Did you have any outlying thoughts or anything that it made you think of when we ended our conversation? I'd like to see more movies that are same vibe, but actually pointing fingers at who's guilty instead of a way that is so theatrical yeah like yeah we love a good metaphor metaphors are great and they're fun that's what lovecraft country taught us is we love a good metaphor with some magical or sci-fi elements right but then at the same time lovecraft country does show what's actually happening in the world i learned a lot about sundown towns and those laws and how that was just an actual thing I guess it'd be cool to just see actual pointing of the fingers, I suppose, instead of blaming it on the aliens. This was a good movie to watch now because yeah, of what we're going through, but I hear you. It's also a little 
unsatisfying when we have so many real life evils that we're looking at square in the face and none of those are being addressed in this kind of movie right and don't get me wrong I love storytelling in any format and I truly just love a good funny stupid movie or weird obscure sci-fi like I love any and all of that I'll take that too but every once in a while let's just point the fingers at the humans let's just (laughs) say it like it is you know yeah I'm wondering if there are any movies like that on my radar maybe the big short but yeah it's fine Spielberg doesn't have to do it (laughs) he didn't have to do it this is maybe too dark but Schindler's List he did make Schindler's List yeah and uh that pointed some fingers at some people (laughs) but other than that I think we got pretty deep into it Yeah, ultimately, not my favorite Tom Cruise film. Maybe one of my favorite Dakota Fanning films, Mm -hmm. if that's not offensive to say. Just for the sole reason that she was the light. I don't keep calling her a light. I want to choose a different word. But she was the character that kept me invested this entire time, for sure. Yeah, she's good. Remember her in I Am Sam? Never saw that one. I saw that when I was very young, and I just remember being so sad as a kid. Aw. So sad. Yeah. So did Zig say anything that changed your mind or kind of made you think differently about this movie or sci-fis or whatever? Well, I appreciated that he did find certain joys in it, because I think I did too. I don't think I expected to find many coming back to it. It was fun. It was fun to watch it with you and to just yell and laugh. and. Yeah, I agree. It was definitely good for that, for sure. Watch it with a friend. Watch it. Let us know what you think. Rewatch it. Let us know what you think. I think I would rate it two and a half boxes of popcorn. I'm going to rate it two tentacles out of three. (laughs) Two out of three tentacles? Tripod tentacles. That's a majority of the tentacles, so that's something. (laughs) Well, I guess I want to say one and a half then. (laughs) That's exactly half of the tentacles. (laughs) Yeah, because I see room for improvement, but also, you know, I'll take it. Yeah, and I think I do the popcorn things because it is just entertainment. It is fun to watch with a group where you can... We did eat a lot of popcorn. I ate so much popcorn. (laughs) We ate a lot of popcorn. And, you know, it's fun to yell at the screen sometimes. And it's fun to watch a not perfect movie. So this was that one. That it was. (laughs) And that's about it. Yeah. All right, everybody. War of the Worlds 2005 Spielberg. That's a wrap on our show today. We want to know what you thought about all of this. So let us know. Hit us up on Instagram. Slide into our DMs. And follow us on Twitter. Please, somebody give our tweets a like. We're desperate. I don't know why I'm acting like this character right now. <laughs> Probably because I watched that 53 version and I just have the voice stuck in my head. Sherilyn, why don't you uh, say our outro like an old reporter from the 50s? Alright. You know I love a challenge. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. Like- <clears throat> and that's a wrap on our show today. What did you think? Let us know your thoughts on Instagram named after the podcast We Live in a Film Society. Shoot us an email. What's an email? We live in a film society at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter, Live Film Society. <laughs> so embarrassing. That was awesome. <laughs> that was so awesome. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. Everyone. For myself. 
<laughs> that is literally all we have for you today. That was so good. I'm so sorry, everyone. Take care out there. Bye. <laughs> I hate myself. I'll never do it again. Uh.